We welcome you to the media ministry of Denton Bible Church. Good to see everyone this evening. Thank you for being here. Happy Mother's Day. I've been telling all the men Happy Mother's Day too today, and they just look at me like, uh, what, where did you come from? But I hope all you ladies, how many of you are moms? Raise your hand if you're moms. Thank you. How many are grandmothers? Awesome. How many of you are great-grandmothers? We have any great-grandmothers out here? We do right there. How many great-great-grandmothers? It usually comes to a screeching halt about right there. How many mothers-to-be? Woo, yes, all right, congratulations. Did your husband know that when you raised your hand? I mean, <laughs> does now, but uh, we do pray that it's been a good day for all of you ladies. You are indispensable. Somebody said that to be indispensable, you have to be able to stick your finger in a glass of water and leave a hole. Uh, but you ladies are indispensable, and we're very, very grateful for you. How many of you had a mother? Man, I'm just making sure y'all awake. But my mom, uh, as you hear from time to time from me, she was my mentor, discipler, example. She pointed us to Christ until her last breath, and uh, I'm very, very grateful for her. And these days are wonderful to remember her. I didn't know my, any of my grandmothers very well at all. Uh, I know my wife very well, and she is a wonderful mother, and I'm thankful for her. So we honor you today. There's a phrase in the scripture that Jordan read to you out of the first chapter that uh, I want you to think about, and I want to just kind of walk with you through a, a few verses this evening to talk to you about what makes a good mom. Now, I am uh, sensitive to the fact that many of us here tonight might not have had a mom that was faithful. We might not have had a mom that uh, we could say was an example the way uh, we wished that she would have been. I'm very uh, aware of many dysfunctional family situations, and I'm sorry for every one of those circumstances that someone didn't know a mom that was loving and caring. Amazing thing in the scripture, uh, the Apostle Paul writing about the apostles in the book of 1 Thessalonians, and he described the apostles' uh, calling of God, and he tells, he could have used the illustrations like he did about a a farmer or an athlete running a race, or it could have, he could have used the soldier, as he does many, many times for illustrations. But he said, we, we apostles were like a nursing mother caring for her tender child. And I just love that, a tender, caring mother praying, uh, caring for her child. Now, I don't think about the apostle Paul too, being too much like a nursing mother, but He's saying that's what we had to be because of the calling of God as apostles, apostles to love others. And he said, you were so, we had so fond an affection for you that we were willing to impart not only the word of God, but our own lives also. And the illustration or the analogy, the comparison that Paul used was we love the church and God's people so much, we love them like a brand new mother taking care of a brand new baby. I think that's a great honor to you ladies. I personally have never seen anything more wonderful than a mom and a little baby. In uh, our class on Sunday mornings, some of the people were coming in asking for volunteers for VBS. And just like you saw here tonight that the video they showed and Jordan mentioned, our youth program needs many, many volunteers. Uh, the lady who came into our class said, 
some of you can just do this. And everybody knew what they were talking about. Just patting those babies and loving on them. And um, so please, if you can or you know somebody that can, let's fill those spots and volunteer and help. I promise you, my wife had been in there and, and uh, we, we, we chose four-year-olds that, that week. And that was quite an experience. It was quite an experience. But it is uh, something that bears eternal fruit. Um, I do, do ask you to remember those that might not have that mama that's hugging them tonight, patting them tonight. I would ask you to remember those of blended families. I'd ask you to, to remember stepmoms that have been faithful to raise children and love them well. And when they become professional athletes and the camera turns on them, they say, hi, mom. Uh, I think that's a good, good thing. So to me, I, when I see a, a woman that is had a baby or is, is about to, even uh, those that are with child, sometimes I think ladies feel, well, I, I'm, you know, I'm going through this change in, in the, carrying a baby and I don't feel attractive. I want to tell you what I believe the most attractive uh, that a lady can be is when she's carrying a child or when she's caring for a little baby. I think it's one of the greatest things that God's given us here on this earth to see. So God bless you. Becky, are grandchildren even better? Much better, she said. Okay. Uh, children are a blessing from God. But I want us to look in the life of somebody who knew what it was to be a mom. She didn't start out that way, though. I don't know about you that have had children before. Did you get the manual at the hospital? Did they give you the book that says, now this is what you need to do every day? I'll still remember when my wife, our son was born, he's about to be about 32. Uh, she had to stay in the hospital for about six days because of a surgery that she had. So I had it pretty good. You know, the nurses would take uh, our little baby and feed him and, and change him and then bring him and we'd play with him and the nurses would come get him again. And I just thought, this is not a bad deal at all. Until that time when he needed one of those nurses really badly. And I mean, it was evident to everybody that walked in the room. He needed one of those nurses. And she didn't come. And I said, oh, I guess, I guess we have to start changing these diapers now. And it was just a, just a change in life. But you mamas are so special, and so we honor you today. This mom didn't have the manual, but she had something even better than that. Look with me again in verse 26 of the, the first chapter of the Gospel of Luke. And I want to talk to you about a few attributes of a godly mom. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. The sixth month, it's recording uh, the time period that before this passage is when Gabriel went to Zechariah. You remember when he was in the temple? And he's an old man. His wife, Elizabeth, is an older woman. But the, gate, the, the angel said, you're going to have a baby. And in one way, that is a miraculous birth because they were way past the time of having a child. And so Gabriel gives him that message and she is in her sixth month carrying the baby we know as John the Baptist. He was going to be the forerunner of the Messiah, the Christ. So Gabriel says, uh, as the scripture writes, in the sixth month, 
God sent him to a little city called Nazareth. Now, that's interesting. He didn't send him to Jerusalem, where the seat of the religious elite was. He could have sent them to go talk to the Pharisees and the Sadducees and let them in on what he was doing, but God didn't. He sent, uh, he sent to a little hamlet. When we think of Nazareth, if you've been there, uh, people have said, that's Nazareth over there. And it, it's just like a neighborhood. Probably a few hundred people was all. We think of cities like cities around us here in Texas sometimes. But he was sent to a, a little no-name place, a little hamlet with a few people there. But isn't that just like God? Isn't that just like God? He's going to do something very humbly to a young woman. Uh, she probably was in her early teens. We don't think about that now very much, but Jewish girls at that time got married very young, and so she is a young teenager, and all of a sudden an angel appears to her. I'd remind you that most of the times in the Scripture, when an angel appears to even men, they fall down on the ground as dead men. I'm, uh, I'm amazed at the pictures we think of angels. We go to Mardell and we get little fat, chubby cherubs, don't we? We get beautiful women with long flowing hair and the big wings. and that We have no picture of that in the Bible. Every time an angel shows up, it is a, a mighty warrior. It is a man, powerful in strength. And so they're very frightening. He sent Gabriel, the, the angel of, uh, of messaging. Uh, you remember in Daniel, when Daniel started praying, God said, I've sent Gabriel. Gabriel came and said, at the beginning of your supplication, when you just started praying, the commandment came forth for me to come and give you skill and understanding. Gabriel is the one often in the scripture to give a message. And he's showing up in Nazareth. And it says in verse 27, he's showing up to a virgin. Now that word can be translated two different ways. Some translations put it with a word that just means young woman. And that's not the correct translation. This is talking about a virgin, someone who has been pure. She has never been with man in, a, in an intimate way. And that's very important because that's the prophecy that the Messiah would come that way. To a virgin, engaged. Engagement in the Jewish society is a little different. They had a, usually a threefold process. The first part of it was a contract between your families. It was a contract. Someone asked me one time, do you believe in arranged marriages? And I said, yes, if God does the arranging, uh, but not necessarily a parent arranging. We have a newlywed couple. Congratulations to you guys here today. Didn't mean to point you out, but I just did. But congratulations. And I just want to honor this young couple here, the, the Farrells. And they did it well. They did it well, Skylar and Catherine. She was engaged. That meant that for one year, they had made a contract that they are husband and wife, but they would not be together intimately for a whole year. That was to show the purity of the woman, and it would show the steadfastness of the man to get a home ready for them to live in. And after that, there would be a, a seven-day celebration a feast, a wedding feast. Man, they did it really well for seven days. Then the marriage would be consummated. Then they would have 
the, the Jewish male wouldn't even go to work or go to war. He wouldn't be enlisted in the military for a year. It's not bad, is it? A little bit different than the way we get engaged here today. So Gabriel was sent to Nazareth, a really no-name city, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David. Is that important? Messiah was going to be a descendant of David. You may say, well, Jesus wasn't really a descendant of Joseph. He is going to be legally a descendant of David through Joseph, and he is going to be physically and humanly a descendant of of David through Mary. God knows the perfect one to choose, and the virgin's name was Mary. Mary is a very common name that we use today, and it was then. Mary, Miriam, uh, Maria, it would would be in a lot of different forms. In fact, as you read the New Testament, how many Marys are there? There's Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Mary, and Mary, and Mary, and Mary, because it was a very, very common name. The first uh, point that I want you to, to see is that God sent Gabriel to a woman who was a model of purity. And I think a godly mom is a model of purity. How many of you mothers are the gatekeepers for your home? You know what I mean by that? One, I read one article one time, it was called The Keeper of the Springs. If you grew up, how many of you grew up out in the country? Anybody rule? Okay. How important is it if you have a creek, a river, that the people who live upstream take care of that river for you? Is it a little important? Because whatever they dump in there is going to come visit you, right? So the keeper of the springs is somebody upstream that cares enough about everybody else downstream that they're going to keep it clean and they're going to take care of that. Mamas often do that. Mamas often find out what's in the pockets of their little boys when they're going to wash their clothes. And little boys bring things home and put it in their pockets that, that normally you don't do, do they? But she's a gatekeeper. A mom oftentimes is a gatekeeper. Dad too. But a mom is hands-on. We're not going to let that in the house. We're not going to do that. And I think that a good mom is a model of purity. Children and and families ought to be able to look at a mom and and know that that she's clean in character. When I think about my mom, she wasn't perfect. But I tell you what, I have great admiration. I, I rise up today and call her blessed, like the scripture says. And I'm so grateful. She was a gatekeeper for our home. So God sent uh, Gabriel to a virgin, engaged to a man. Her name was Mary. Purity, simple. She wasn't an elite. In fact, we don't have any resume, any credentials. Uh, she was not uh, someone that would have been very famous. She probably never written a book, never uh, known outside of her our small city, Mary. Uh, I do want to say to you, and that's a lesson for another day, Mary was a very common name, but she was a sinner just like everyone else. There are those that have grabbed on to Mary and talked about an immaculate conception. She was not immaculately conceived. Um, she is not sinless. She talked about in just a few moments in this passage, God, my Savior, her son was going to be her Savior. Mary, did you know? <laughs> she didn't know, did she, very much about what was going to happen. At the, the wedding feast of Cana, when Jesus displayed one of his first miracles, they came to Mary 
his mother and they said, hey, Mary, the, the wine's run out and they're going to see what she's going to do. Well, she is not a co-mediator with Jesus. We don't pray to Mary. She does not go to the Father on our behalf. She is not one who dispenses grace. That's what all uh, other denominations try to get you to believe. She does not dispense, uh, dispense grace. When it says full of grace and truth, you and I are supposed to be full of grace and truth. But when they came to her at the wedding feast of Cana, they said, Mary, the wine's run out. And Jesus, uh, Mary said, I think what she would say today if we were able to ask her something in heaven. She turned to those people and said, whatever he tells you to do, do it. That's what the mother of Jesus would say. He's the one you need to be asking. I can't do anything. I'm not a miracle worker. Whatever he says, do it. So we got to be careful. Some people get so confused. There's no evidence in any of the scripture that Mary is raised up as a uh, co-mediator with Jesus Christ for our go-between before God. But she's a blessed woman. She's a blessed young woman. And I believe a godly mom is a mom that is a model of purity. And secondly, verse 28, in coming in, he said to her, greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. I'm convinced that many of the lessons children learn in families is through the adversity of their mom. I'll describe. Moms have a hard day. Uh, you saw me get up just a moment ago, and she's listening. She's going to get me when I get home. But my wife had a little emergency at her home just a second ago. That's why I went out to call her and see if everything was okay. Moms do a lot. You may say, well, you don't even have kids at home. Yeah, but I'm still one that she's taken care of. Believe me, she will tell you that. But it says, greetings, favored one man asked uh, one time, how are you? And I heard another person answer, abundantly blessed and highly favored. That's a pretty good answer, isn't it? Abundantly blessed and highly favored. Well, that was Mary, favored one. When God shows favor, he shows blessing, it's something he's pleased with. Now, you older folks, I want to ask you a question. Not old because you're old, because you're experienced. Do you remember the good housekeeping seal of approval? You remember that? We heard it on television all the time. If something had, a product had the good housekeeping seal of approval, it had been checked out, it had been thoroughly examined, and they gave their stamp of approval. It's good. Now, I think earlier in our nation's history, we could believe a lot of those things a lot more than we do today because a lot of people are calling bad good and good bad today, and I'm not sure what kind of approval we're going to get from somebody. But the good housekeeping seal of approval meant we've checked it out, we endorse it, and it is good. In our missionary program right here, we have three different types of missionary at Denton Bible Church. We have DBC missionaries. They are ones that are supported by the, the people of the church. They are the, the, uh, the closest uh, to the missions department. We have endorsed missionaries. Those are people that are supported other ways mainly, but DBC has checked them out. We know them. Perhaps they were here before, and DBC gives them a stamp of approval. And there's some that are recognized missionaries. They also have a, an approval given by the church. 
So here when it says, oh, favored one, God is showing that he's pleased with this young woman. I I know how hard it is to be a teenager, and I think some of these teenagers today have it harder than anyone ever has in some cases. When I see a young person that's doing it well and doing it right, let's honor them. Let's support them. Let's encourage them. When we have one that we see is not doing it well, get around them and love them. Put your arms around them and care for them and encourage them. Share with them your testimony. Your testimony might make a difference in their life so that they have a different future. But favored ones, you and I are favored ones because Christ, when they took him to that cross of Calvary, he could have said, nope, too hard. It's going to hurt too much. I don't want to do it. But did you know the scripture says, Jesus, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. I don't know what all that means, but I picture at least part of it, Jesus looking around the cross and seeing what's going to come after that. People sitting in church like here tonight, it'll be worth it. When you moms that have had babies, did all that, was that just a pleasurable day for you? No, the scripture says, you remember the joy and try to forget the pain. You remember the joy that God's given you a child. And so the second thing I want you to see here is that a good mom knows she's blessed by God. My mother made us as children know what Jesus was doing in her life. She told us. She told us about answered prayers. I want you all to know I've been praying to to Jesus for something and and Something came in the mail that helped us as a family. I want you to know about it. And I've never forgotten when my mom gave the glory to God and told us that she was blessed by him. The the angel said, favored one, the Lord is with you. Favor, blessing. How many of you have heard the statement, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world? Well, it's often the one, that hand that rocks the cradle is often the one that introduces Jesus to those little children. Often the one that says, let's pray. I love to see the little children do that. I love when, when the little children at the dinner table say, amen, and they say it so loud. Every, the neighbors hear it. I love that. Have you had a little toddler pray at the dinner table for the blessing lately? I love it. They pray, dear God, thank you for the fork and thank you for the knife. And, thank, and they're looking down. Thank you for the spoon and thank you for the napkin. Thank you for the plate. And, and we wonder what all's going to get in that prayer. And sometimes we're surprised what they pray for, aren't we? That's special. That is good. A godly mom is often the one that introduces Jesus to that little one. So number two is a good mom knows she's blessed by God. The Lord's presence shows in her life. But here's Mary. Has she heard a message that everybody gets to hear? You're going to have a baby and you, you've never been with a man and it's going to be the son of God. And All Jewish girls probably long to be the mother of the Messiah. Can you imagine what that was like? They've been taught that the Messiah was going to be born. Most of them thought he was going to be like David, ride in on a white stallion, lead an army, and drive the Romans out of occupation of their country and usher in a new kingdom here on this earth physically. Well, Jesus came in on a little bitty donkey born in a stable, 
wasn't any of those things that they were expecting. But every Jewish girl probably wanted to be the mama of the Messiah to come. And now this one, this young girl is chosen. She's highly favored. And she wants people to know she's blessed by God. But verse 29 says, but she was very perplexed at this statement. It kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. I told a class this morning, she heard a message that no one has ever heard before. Where could Mary go to counseling and sit down with a, with a Jewish counselor and say, oh, I've been through this. It's not going to be hard at all. I'll tell you how it went. Nobody. She couldn't even go to her mom and her mom say, I've experienced this. Let me help you. It's kind of like Adam and Eve uh, talking about their parents. They couldn't do it, could they? <laughs> Someone said that Adam and Eve have belly buttons. I don't know. In heaven, they, we're going to find out, I guess. I don't know. Probably not. They didn't have some things that could relate to you and me. And she certainly had a message told her that nobody else could relate to. I'd be perplexed too, I think. The angel said to her, do not be afraid. It's interesting. Somebody uh, brought this to my attention. I didn't see that. Normally, when a mighty angel appears to someone in the Bible, the first thing the angel says is don't be afraid because they are awesome. They are full of awe to look at. But she's carrying on a conversation with this angel. I just think that's pretty cool. Young Mary's not afraid of this vision of this mighty angel. But he says, do not be afraid. How God gives us so many times in the scripture. One for every day of the year. Fear not. Fear not. That's what the angels often are coming to tell you and me. Fear not, for you have found favor with God. And behold, he's going to give her some understanding as far as she could understand. You will conceive in your womb. So it's going to be a birth that is physical in a mother's physical womb. And bear a son, the first gender reveal party right there. It's going to be a boy. She knows ahead of time, didn't need a sonogram. And you shall call his name Jesus. And, the, and God's just going to name your boy for you. Hebrew, Jesus is Yeshua. That's the way you say Jesus in Hebrew. In Greek, it is what we say Jesus. He goes on to give her understanding. He will be great. He'll be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will have no end. Now, if... A mom heard that about her baby that was about to be born. That's all good stuff. I remember my mother, dear mother, and, and, and when I talk about her, please understand that I just honor her. I'm not saying she's any better than anybody else, but I loved her, and she was so sweet to us. She would take me as a little boy, and she'd look at my hands, and she'd say, I wonder what these hands are going to be used by God to do when you get older. I still remember that and how personable and loving that was to me. I remember the first time I went out on a date to take a girl to a school dance. I didn't know, but my mom and her mom had been talking it over. Can you believe that? Behind our back without us knowing it. But she says, I always wanted to know what kind of girlfriend that you might have. That's the dreamings and the care for a mama. Well, Mary gets to hear, he's going to be a mighty one. He's going to be great. He's going to be called the son of the most high. He's going to 
He's going to have a throne. He's going to be a king on the, on the throne of David. He's going to reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, <coughs> a heavenly kingdom, there'll be no end. That's pretty good stuff. It's kind of like when you go to Ancestry.com and you find everybody that you want to be related to. That's fun, right? But do you ever find somebody you think, oh, we've got to take a new leaf. <laughs> I don't think I want to go this, this direction. You know, they were outlaws and we'll, we'll go another direction. Well, she heard good things. I couldn't help but think about eight days after Jesus was born. Do you remember what she heard when she, they took him to the temple? And that old man, Simeon, held him up and said, This little boy is set for the rise and fall of many in Israel, a sign that will be spoken against, and a sword, talking to Mary, shall pierce your soul. She got a pretty good report before Jesus was born, but not long after he was born, Mary heard the rest of the story. He's going to suffer, and you're going to have to watch him. So I believe a godly mom is so influential in the church. She is a symbol of purity and what should be the family be able to look at a pure life. She's a symbol of someone that lets everybody in her family know we're blessed by God. Then Mary said to the angel in verse 34, how can this be since I'm a virgin? If you remember your Bible, you remember Zacharias had asked a question earlier. How are we going to have a baby as old as we are? What was the difference in those two questions? Mary asked in faith, asking for understanding. Zacharias asked, asked in doubt, not believing, and didn't get to talk for six months. I love that story. He's not able to speak for month after month. John the Baptist is born and they'd already been told what he was going to be named. And they're all, the family's all getting together. Why don't you name him Zacharias II, Jr.? Why don't you name him this name, somebody after your family? And, and Zacharias called for a board to write on and he wrote on, his name is John. He wasn't going to disobey the word of God through the angel anymore. And when he did that, his tongue was loose and he could begin speaking again. But Mary didn't doubt. She just didn't understand. And you and I wouldn't understand either. What do you think about Joseph understanding? Mary comes to him. Oh, by the way, I'm going to have a baby. You're going, what? What do you think about Joseph's parents? What do you think about Mary's parents? What do you think about the, the friends she grew up with? What do you think about the school that she went to? Mary is put in a tremendous position to do something uh, called by God that no one else had ever been called to. So she says, rightfully, how can this be since I'm a virgin? And isn't that a wonderful thing that she could say that? Uh, some people may say, well, Mike, I failed and I couldn't say that. We have a God that lets us start over. Aren't you glad? We can start over. And from that moment forward, we can be faithful and ask for his purity. And if that's you here tonight, you start over tonight and you watch God's strength be there with you. How shall this be? I'm a virgin. The angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit. Now, I'll bet Mary didn't know too much because how many times have you read that phrase in the Old Testament? The Spirit of God and moved upon the face of the water. How many times have you read? Not very often. Psalm 51, David said, Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. But that was not a phrase or a name that a Jew would be familiar with. 
But she hears that message, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. This is a mystery birth. Was Zacharias and Elizabeth a miraculous birth? It was because they are way past childbearing age. God did a miracle for them, but he's really going to do a miracle for, for Mary. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy child, your baby's going to be holy. I want to tell you something. I was never called holy by my parents. I was called a holy terror sometimes, uh, but I was not called holy. Jesus was called holy. He shall be the son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. As she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. Why do you think the uh, angel Gabriel told Mary that uh, her relative Elizabeth was going to have a baby? You think she needed a little encouraging? By the way, Elizabeth ha uh, is pregnant right now. She's going to have a baby and she's in her sixth month and Mary could have gone, what? She would have known that had to be a miracle from God. And I think that was just an encouragement to Mary. Two miraculous births. Uh, I want to, let me describe something to you. John the Baptist, I'm not reading anything in here, but just bear with me. John the Baptist was born of old, past, uh, old parents. He became a prophet of the Old Testament. He's the last, really, of the Old Testament ushering in the New Testament. Jesus was born of a young mother in a new covenant with God, a new testament that he's going to usher in. Isn't that interesting? Zacharias and Elizabeth was a wrapping a bow on the Old Testament. He's the last of the prophets, John the Baptist. And Jesus and Mary and Joseph is starting the New Testament. I thank God in all of his ways. He's, I know he's so perfect in what he does. It was a new deal, a new covenant, a new testament, Jesus said. Now, Mary was told an inconceivable message. Have you ever had one of those puzzles that somebody says, figure this out, and you try for about a week, and there's just no way you can figure it out? I remember in a college course one time, we were doing computers. Yes, they had computers when I was in college. Well, they weren't the computers like we have today. They were the first types of computers. I'm going to tell you how old I am here pretty soon. They weren't punch cards, but they were just after punch cards. That was a long time ago. And our professor said, you can solve this equation in two formulas. Well, I wanted to solve it and get out of there and finish the test. And we all, and I looked around, nobody was leaving. Because whenever you solved that, you could get up and leave. Nobody was leaving. I got one formula, but I could not solve it. Uh, she said you could solve it, excuse me, in one formula. But I, I, it took two for me. And I thought, well, I just must be missing something. I looked around. Nobody else got up either. And after the test was over, the time was over, time limit came up. The professor said, oh, by the way, it takes two formulas to solve that equation. Well, it was inconceivable to me. I could not figure it out. I couldn't understand. Can you imagine how inconceivable this was to Mary? a message that no one had ever heard before. There's no oral Jewish tradition that passed it down. This is what's going to happen to you. Uh, one commentary said this, for, for Mary to hear how she was going to have a baby as a virgin is like saying, calling someone a married bachelor or a square circle. 
It just doesn't happen. Those things don't go together. Let me remind you a little bit of history. There's been some amazing birth. Uh, born near a small town in Ontario, Canada on May 28, 1934, the Dion sisters became the first known set of quintuplets to survive infancy. So way back in 1934, the first quintuplets were born that lived. For the first decade of their lives, they were Canada's biggest tourist attraction. They said that they grossed uh, seven, several hundred million dollars in tourist revenue because they saw all these babies that were born to the same mom at one time. January 11, 1974, saw the birth of the Rosenkowitz sextuplets. That's six, isn't it? Sextuplets that survived. The first recorded set of surviving and they survived till, to adulthood in Cape Town, South Africa. Then seven children were born to Bobby and Kenny McGoy of Des Moines, Iowa on November 19th, 1997. And they're the first set of septuplets to survive infancy. And then on July 25th, 1978, Louis, Louise Brown was born in Oldham, England. What was noteworthy about her, however, was not her birth, but the manner of her conception. She was the world's first test tube baby conceived by means of in vitro fertilization. Those are some pretty amazing births that had never happened before in recorded history. They made the news, talked about them for decades. And finally, in 2008, a single woman gave birth to octuplets, uh, eight of them, and they're all currently still alive. Eight babies at one time. Yeah, you just can't help but go, what in the world? My brother and I and wife and sister-in-law a few years ago, 11 years ago, had planned a trip to Hawaii. We'd never been there. So we saved our money, planned a trip. And then my brother, after we bought tickets and everything, airline, uh, he called and he said, well, Mike, I'm sorry, we're not going to be able to go. And I thought, uh-oh, somebody's sick. And he said, no, Crystal, that's his daughter, is going to have triplets. And that's the week that the doctor said that they will be due and they, they will have to be very, very careful for those. Well, those little, uh, little children are, are six years old, going on seven right now, and they're just beautiful children. Missed out on our trip to Hawaii that we got three beautiful children in the family. There's been amazing births throughout all the time, but nothing compares to Mary. Let me go quickly. Number three, a good mom is an example of submission to God. Submitting to God just means I'm going to do what he says. It doesn't mean you're lower than someone else. It doesn't mean you're a second-class citizen. It doesn't mean that you're uh, anything derogatory. It just means if God said it, I'm going to do it. And after the angel told Mary what was going to take place, look what she said in verse 38. Mary said, behold, the bond slave, that should be just translated slave of the Lord. I'm your slave, God. May it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. You know, uh, I bet Becky, you've taught Proverbs 31 many times. I'll bet you have in the ladies Bible studies. I've told you before, there's a phrase in that passage that's amazing to me. It says that a godly woman can smile at the future. One version says, laugh at the future. Now, that doesn't mean that she is uh, using hilarity and, and making fun of anything that's going to happen in the future. But it means that she has confidence to know 
that God who's carried her through everything before is going to take care of tomorrow too. Do we have confidence for that? The God who's got us here tonight has tomorrow in his control too. And a godly mama can smile at the future. Somebody may come when you have a baby. Do you know how hard it's going to be to raise that child? Do you know uh, what it's going to take? Do you know what boys are like? Do you know how much they're going to eat? Do you know? And that mama can just smile. Because whatever it takes, she's willing to do it because that's God's calling for her life. That's Mary. I'm your slave, Lord. May it be done unto me according to your word. And then quickly. Now at this time, Mary arose and went in a hurry to the hill country, to the city of Judah. Do you think she needed somebody to talk to? Mm-hmm. Entered the house of Zacharias, greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, she walks in the door and says, Elizabeth, hello. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby, Elizabeth's baby, John the Baptist, leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. You know, one of the greatest things I ever, I've ever seen in my life, and I <coughs> truly mean this. I know some uh, families who were not able to have biological children. I have great respect for them and love them and want to be very sensitive. But when I see a lady who was not able to have a, a baby biologically of her own, so happy for one of her friends that's going to have a baby. I think there's something to that person. There's something good in the heart of that woman. Not being angry at God, not being jealous, not mistreating the other one, but honoring the mom that God had blessed to have that child. Well, look what Elizabeth does. She could have said, I'm glad you're here. Let me tell you about this baby. <coughs> he's been doing this and he's been doing this. And let me tell you, she said, blessed are you, Mary. Now, why'd she do that? Because John the Baptist was going to be great, but he was not going to be the son of God. The baby in the womb of Mary was going to be all of theirs, Savior. <coughs> And it says, she cried out with a loud voice, blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? I love the way that's written. She knew the baby in Mary's womb was the son of God. And so did the baby in, in, in uh, Elizabeth's womb. He jumped and she could tell the difference than just movement of a baby. This was a leaping inside the womb. Regardless what anybody tells you in this world or in our country, that is a baby in the womb of the mother. From the time of conception, that is a human being. That is a living soul. Psalm 139, God said, I saw your substance before it was ever formed in your mother's womb. At the very, very beginning, that is a child. They want to use other words and call it a fetus or a, or a substance. That's wrong. It's a lie that our country swallowed years and years ago. Well, if we overturn that, there's going to be trouble in our country. So be it. I wonder what it sounds like of 60 million unborn babies crying out to God that have been murdered and killed. You may say, you're just getting political. I'm not getting political. I'm getting moral. That is what the Bible teaches. 
And this baby, John the Baptist, is a person in his mother's womb and recognized, isn't that amazing? Recognized the Son of God as a little unborn baby in the womb of his mama. There's a lot more going on spiritually than we see. He jumped up and down because his Lord, his Savior, came into the room too. Blessed is she who believed that there would be fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. How did Elizabeth know all that? How does she know you're pregnant, he's the son of God, and you told God you believe him, you're going to do whatever he says? Well, she was filled with the Holy Spirit. And just like when you met Christians, maybe from other countries, speak a different language, different color of skin, but you know there is a bond between you and them because that's the bond the Holy Spirit makes. I listened to a Romanian pastor one time, and I didn't understand one word he said. A translator was giving his message, but I went up to him afterwards, and I talked to the translator. and tell the t I asked the translator, tell the preacher this. Tell him I didn't understand one word with my ear, but I understood every word with my heart. Because he was a brother. That's the bond of the Holy Spirit. And I think this is a beautiful thing. What? What is the mother of my Lord coming to visit me for? Mary goes on to give God the credit for everything. We are set to see a shaking up in our political world. We need to get ready for it. It's interesting. Uh, they talk about a, an unborn baby not being a life. But the same people say, if we find on the planet of Mars... One living cell, one cell of which a baby has billions of cells. But if we find one cell on Mars, that means there's life. If someone murders a mother carrying a child, they are guilty of two deaths, of two murders. Did you know that? Two murders. Oh, those that have lied against the truth and wanted out of their convenience to do away with the child... I wonder if they'll meet the soul of that child someday. Again, you may say, Mike, that hurts my heart. You don't know what I've done and when I was young, this and this. We've got a great God that can forgive. Just don't do it anymore. Just start over. Let him forgive you and wash you and make you clean. And then you be a champion for what's right. Be like Mary. I'm your slave, God. And whatever you tell me to do, I will do it. We have some pregnancy resource centers here in Denton. You see what happened over the weekend? They got vandalized. God's still in control, and we'll all have to answer to him one of these days. John's alive in Elizabeth's womb, and he jumped up and down in the presence of his Lord. The fourth one I want you to think about is this. A good mom puts Jesus first in her life and in her family. Mary said, my soul exalts the Lord. My spirit is rejoiced in God, my Savior. For he has had regard for the humble state of his bond slave. For behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed. She didn't say all generations will pray to me. All generations will, will say that I am the mother of God. No, they're going to count me blessed by God. For the mighty one has done great things for me. And holy is his name. So I just want to honor Mary here tonight. We don't worship her, and she wouldn't let us worship her. But I want to honor her because she was a good mom. Starting out very, very young, didn't have the manual, but she had God, and God was helping her. 
you know what I'd do if I was a young mom? I'd go find the most faithful older mother that you know and wear her out asking questions. Please help me with this. Tell me how to do this. What should I do? Don't be embarrassed. That person will be glad to talk with you because they want to share those good things. So moms should be the model of purity. They're the gatekeeper for the home, for those children. Moms need to make sure their families know where the blessing comes from. They always want people to know they're blessed by God. Moms are a great example of submission and obedience to God. Be it done unto me according to your word. And lastly, moms make it clear, good moms make it clear that Jesus is first in her life and in her family. In 1976, at the bedside of my mother, she was not concerned about my basketball game that I was supposed to play that night or in a few days. That's what she was worried about. She wasn't worried about whether I had enough money to go to college. She wasn't worried about anything, but she was concerned about me following Jesus. And she took me by herself, by her bedside in the hospital and asked me, do you have any questions? Do you have any questions about what's going on? Well, I don't know about you, but when my mama said that, there was a lump in my throat about the size of a watermelon. There's no way I could have asked her any questions. I wish I could today. But her last days were making sure she knew I loved Jesus. Her last days were making sure that I knew he was first. He was most important. And on December 5th, 1976, I watched my mother take her last breath and I bowed on my knees as a 16-year-old and I said, God, would you give me a double portion of the spirit that was inside of my mother? That was my prayer that day. I don't know if he has, but I sure ask him. So you good moms, you good grandmothers, you good great-grandmothers, God bless you. You are valuable, and this church honors you, and I honor you too. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for everyone that in this holiday in our country, we, we just celebrate the moms. Please bless them. I pray for all those who might not have gotten a celebration or had a child call them, or maybe the children couldn't call them, but I just ask you to bless those ladies too. And I want to thank you for Mary, a young teenager that was pure, that was humble, that was faithful in something that there's no way she could have understood. And I want to thank you that she was faithful to the end. Please make every one of us, moms and dads and single people that might not ever get married, just as valuable to the church as everyone else. Make us all like that. And we'll thank you for everything in Jesus' name. Amen.